This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Company. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI-audio's on-air community, and everyone's invited. And now, the big man himself, Kelly McDonald. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Appreciate you being with us on a Friday even. We know there's so much to do as you get ready for your weekend. So what we'll do is swing open the gateway to that weekend for you. Uh, so just settle on back and enjoy, whether you're listening to our live show from uh, 2 to 4 p.m. or one of the repeats on AMI-audio now at uh, 10 p.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. in the morning most days. Uh, Ramya Muthan, my co-host, joining me as usual for the program. Uh, the best to you on this Friday. Thank you. It feels like, and I'm... I know it's not official, but it feels like the first Friday of fall just because it's after Labor Day weekend and we talked fall all over the morning show today uh, on AMI-tv. And so, yeah, now I'm sitting here going, where are the leaves, the crunchy leaves? They're not here yet. When do you uh, expect the crunchy leaves? Does that make you feel more like fall weeks. or that wind? Definitely. the. You know what? I was going to say definitely the crunchy leaves, but last night, Kels, it was so windy and cozy, so windy and cozy. And I was reading like indoors, but had the balcony door open. It was just relaxing in that nice, breezy chill. Uh, I loved it. That That's when like you fall. read one of those books such as Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. One of those True, period yeah. books that, that set you in a place where you, you have to picture that town or the, 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 the quiet, the dark night, maybe maybe city. But, you know, as Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, but rural for sure, mm. right? You yeah. just have that space, oh, and it just gives you that that real feel. It's interesting, as we say to Ryan Huey, and we'll be talking to him later on in the program, but it's interesting that you have certain things you connect with, whether it's you're a sports fan, the thing you drink or eat when you're watching sport, mm-hmm. when you're reading, the time of day, the the day of the week, the the, the weather outside, what you think, oh, man, it's a perfect Because you're always looking for that spot. And I'm not sure if that comes from nostalgia of enjoying a book in a particular way, you know, sometime in your life or some particular book, and then you keep thinking back to that, right? That That's happened to me a lot where I loved unplanned but loved the way that a book felt as felt i read it at a in the certain past. time yeah. yes yes and then so whenever i read a, a book that reminds me of that book it's like oh i just i want that again i want that <laughs> feel well i know what we can do to help people out at this time of the day tell you what's coming up to give you that feel between 2 and 4 p.m eastern time right here on kelly and company a built-in Mac OS tool now scans and removes malware more frequently. John Beeler, he'll arrive shortly and tell us with a bunch of details he's got. So two women from Windsor, Ontario, used their, quote, downtime from COVID-19 to write a book. And Karen McGee's going to tell us why they decided to take this time to share the story. We're going to stay on the book topic later on in hour two. And this is always fun because it's behind the scenes content and we love it. Natalie Nadis is sharing her journey of becoming an audiobook narrator. Ryan Huey's got it for us in hour two on the Chatty Bookshelf. So uh, yesterday we announced here on the program uh, 24 hours ago uh, about the passing of the Queen. And I kind of want to talk a little bit about something that I think is is tremendous. And I had heard about this as a sports fan a long time ago, years ago. And this item 
reminded me. A massive painting of the Queen that was once a fixture during hockey games and concerts in Winnipeg may soon be on public display again. The painting's owner, Ron Delico, says he plans to put up the painting in a hangar at the security firm that he owns. He says it may also soon be seen elsewhere. Hmm. Can't uh, say too much more, but I know that a, a shopping center has reached out and they have expressed an interest in possibly uh, hosting uh, the Queen inside the mall. Mm. Ron, teasing us, man. Come on. We're excited to hear that. Now, here's some details, Rum, about this particular um, uh, picture. The five-meter by three-meter painting hung for years in the old Winnipeg Arena, which closed in 2004. It takes a crew of 10 people to assemble and install. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think that with the the bad news of the Queen passing, mm-hmm. you know, as, as much as we may have been kind of ready um, and kind of letting that settle in that she may be passing soon, with the bad news of her passing, I think there is going to still be news like this coming out um, where we can continue to recognize, celebrate, uh, get to know the queen a little more. Um, There's always something, you know, books, other documentary type things um, where we can still recognize her for who she is, the contributions that she's made forever and ever. Well, I think that contribution, her talents, it's when you think about this portrait being at a hockey game, and concerts. Mm. And that was the respect that they felt, we're putting her here. This is a venue that's big enough to support such a grand um, portrait of her and remind people who are very happy to be reminded of her presence, her her association to Canada, the royal family, everything that it meant from a different era. Because 70 years on the throne brings you back to many different eras, quite frankly. So really, really nice to see this. I I. I thought it was really wonderful, and I I think I recall when I first started to watch hockey, and I remember games when the old Winnipeg Arena, and they would comment as as national TV would show uh, glimpses of uh, of that portrait. While many Americans are cutting back on dis- on spending uh, on discretionary items because of high inflation, the one special item that women are still buying is makeup. Target, Kohl's, Macy's, and Nordstrom all highlighted strong sales of beauty items in their fiscal second quarter earnings reports issued over the past few weeks. Ulta Beauty, the largest beauty retailer in the country, said overall sales spiked nearly 17% in its most recent quarter compared to the same period last year. That's because Americans, once stuck behind Zoom screens and wearing workout clothes, are out and about wanting to look their best. At Target, beauty product sales were up, while home goods, clothing, and electronics all suffered declines. I'm Shelley Adler. Interesting. And interesting reasons. I mean, it would all obviously be a run-on if people suddenly are told you got to get back in the office or, or you can get out and do more. Uh, what's your take on this? Yeah, I'm not sure. Forgive me, because I don't remember if we had this conversation on Kelly and Company or if I just saw it on a TikTok, most likely TikTok, where lipstick prices were going up because lipstick is just so on demand, in demand right now. Um, and the reason why the sales fell during the pandemic is obvious reasons the mask right covers your face covers your lips um but now it is soaring like 
you know, and I was not surprised at all. Uh, maybe surprised that people were going back to the same level of makeup use as before. I hope and keep my fingers crossed that we're still talking about skincare in these conversations and right. not just yes. about makeup and cover up. Um, but yeah, uh, no real comments other than that, that I'm not surprised. Yeah, I don't. I wasn't surprised when I heard it, but I also just felt that it was people excited to get back out, step out, and have that that sense of normalcy um, and and things that you you I know could to go back good. to doing right and yeah. and maybe just that wow I have to catch up because all this other stuff I have is old and got to get new new mm-hmm. and of course with the shortage everywhere that creates its own dilemma and demand. We'll step aside for a moment. Grant Hardy and Jeff Ryman join us. It's, uh, it's Friday. We talk lifestyle headlines next here on Kelly and Company. As we're getting you set for the weekend, swinging open the gateway to it, I do have to ask, so will you read a scary book on an evening like yesterday where you had the breeze coming in, oh, door man. open, the coolness, will you, like as it gets dark, will you read a book? I'm trying to remember who it was that used to be on the show here that said, I won't read. Well, maybe it was Ryan and you, that are certain books you wouldn't read in the evening yeah, or nighttime, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, I won't read it in the nighttime or I won't... Uh, pick it up knowing that I'm in the house by myself and it's dark outside, dark and stormy nights, you know, that kind of thing. But I wish, Kels, that you were present for a conversation I had with my brother where he was convincing me, basically, the essence of this conversation was, he was convincing me that you're either in or you're out. If you want to be scared, set the mood, set the tone, and get scared and fully engulf the fear. Engulf yourself in the moment. If not, forget about it. Put it away. Well, they do that with all the old radio shows, right? The ones that are scary ones, they tell you on some of them, turn out your lights, you know, and they want you to be in that. And I remember as a kid, my dad telling me this stuff. Did it really work on you? He said, I was 11. Leave me alone. Of course I was scared. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Folks, on Fridays, we visit with Jeff Ryman. We welcome also alongside him, Grant Hardy, as we uh, head into Lifestyle Headlines. From fashion to travel, pets and more, we cover it all on the Lifestyle Report with me, Jeff Ryman. Fellas, welcome back to the program. Great to have you both with us today. Thank you. Hey, Kels. Uh, where are we going to start, Jeffy? Yeah, so I, I know uh, real estate or finding apartments um, may be a little tricky, I think, for some, especially over the last little while. We've not only seen real estate prices skyrocket over the last year or two, or maybe even more. Um, and the same can be said for rent. Um, mm-hmm. Rent has gone through the roof, specifically here in Toronto. And Grant, I'm sure you can attest to the fact uh, of real estate and rent going up in uh, your neck of the woods out in uh, Vancouver as well. It's just seemingly like a... Uh, a Canada-wide, even maybe even North America-wide um, thing as well. So I did find an article on the Canadian press, and it is tips to make the search for a new apartment easier. Um, this is something that is I have done. Tips, make sure you can afford it. 
Yeah, uh, that uh. is that is that is actually one of the tips. Uh, <laughs> um, thank you for pointing that out. Although you're jumping ahead a little bit here, Rob. <laughs> um, but um, you know, as somebody myself um, who was searching for um, a place to live, an apartment, not too long ago, then obviously was able to buy a house um, two years ago. Actually, to this day, which is pretty cool, popped up as a Facebook memory of mine. Um, remember, it, it was fairly hard to find specifically uh, a place to rent an, an apartment or a basement apartment or just a place to live. Really. Um, there are so many different variables that go into play. Um, but in this article, it sort of dives into a bunch of those things that can make your time looking for a place to live a little bit easier so number one on this list is needs versus wants. Now, I think this is pretty cliche, but it really is something that you want to keep in mind. There are certain things we need, um, you know, affordability, your priorities. Affordability can be, you know, obviously top of mind. Accessibility is probably a really big one, too. Um, those are definitely needs. I mean, you need these things to live. And then there are some of those wants. I mean, if you want to live in a place that has a pool, you know, is a, is a pool something that is mandatory? I'm going to say probably not for the majority of definitely the population. Yep. Yeah, that could be definitely very luxurious. Um, um, you know, and then there's also other things like amenities, location, and there are certain things that you can actually do. So apartment search websites such as apartments.com, rent.com, Zillow, Apartment Guide, Zumper, um, they can help curate that search for you. Um, and if you need help affording somewhere to rent, um, you can check out a couple of different um websites uh, as well. Or uh, another option is you can actually use a broker to help with the search. Some known as no fee brokers charge the leasing management company rather than charging you if you want to go that route. But in my opinion, one of the best ways to go is ask around yourself or ask friends for recommendations. Mm. Um, I, that was kind of the way that I went. Also, just looking online, um, you know, the, the the way that I did it was Facebook Marketplace and Kijiji and, and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, you have to do a little bit of research and do some research of what you want and what you need first and foremost before you get into that next step and actually looking at places. So you just yeah. need to establish your, your needs versus your wants to begin with. And I don't want to make this event session of a segment. Okay, Jeff, but it is a very sticky topic. And especially like you said, cause you got me and, and you in here in the GTA in Toronto and grant you out in Vancouver, both of these super hot spots, like blazing hot for real estate <laughs> and rental market. Um, and I'm curious, Grant, you know, of your experience of this or just in general with the point that Jeff is discussing, it does asking around actually work where with hundreds of thousands of people always looking for a place to live. Yeah, I I do think that reaching out to your community is a very valuable tool. And in fact, I think for someone with accessibility needs, you, it really is very valuable mm -hmm. to not go at this alone, like to go and 
not only ask around, but look at places with with someone. Um, really make sure that you're involving your community. I, I certainly do think in listening to this article and, and views that they maybe are coming from the lens of living in a city where we have a little bit more choice about living. Because in Vancouver, gosh, even things like accessibility are issues where sometimes you just kind of have to compromise on where, you know, we're talking about generations of people that are living in places where, you know, sometimes their basic needs, sometimes basic health needs are a little bit difficult to meet. Sometimes it's difficult to find a place that can accommodate your pet. Um, Sometimes it's difficult to find a place that will allow your guide dog, even though, of course, we know technically guide dog discrimination isn't allowed in in reality. uh, Landlords absolutely do use covert discrimination methods. So I I think in a a certain sense, this article uh, is implying a certain luxury that maybe uh, Vancouverites and you guys as well in Toronto don't have. Yeah, it's a such a valid point. I was thinking specifically about availability, but you've expanded on so many um, great, you know, challenges that people face coming from a disability perspective or just the access of housing and choice being the big one, like you said, to begin with. Uh, Jeffy? Yeah, no, for sure. Those are those are definitely great points in, in you know, a lot of times when you're in the market for, or at least trying to find a new place to live, there are certain things you're going to have to compromise. You could either live, you know, a five minute walk from your um, work or wherever you want to be, mm-hmm. or you could live somewhere further away and you might pay a little bit less, but then you have to figure out the transportation. There are so many different variables that go into this too. So Again, just uh, make sure you do your due diligence, do your little bit of research beforehand and, and uh, you know, really understand what you want and, and where you want to live as well. Uh, but very valid points mean it, it's easier said than done to find a place to live nowadays, especially with how hot the real estate is and obviously the same thing for that rental market. So uh, very, very valid points, especially for us living in those bigger cities such as Toronto and Vancouver. Um, this sort of segues perfectly into another point, and that's understanding the market. Um, if you're not in a rush, you might want to wait until after this month. Uh, if you have the ability to look in winter months, those are apparently really good times because not a lot of people are looking to move. Ugh, and yeah. you actually may be more likely to find some deals. Um, that's what one expert was saying in this article. And it kind of makes sense in a way because think about it. Last weekend was that weekend where a bunch of college and university students moved out. And, you know, so people are probably trying, especially those students are trying to find places to live. Um, And September is sort of like that unofficial refresh when people head back to work or start new jobs or, you know, hit a refresh button on their life, etc. And people are potentially looking for new places to live. Um, and the winter, a lot of people, especially in Canada, may not like to move in winter um, with a bunch of snow or the cold conditions or, or whatnot. So um, 
if you are not in a rush, it is encouraged to uh, wait just a little bit, maybe into the fall or into the winter as well. So um, understand the market and also understand um, neighborhoods. Um, you know, go out and do your research about that neighborhood. Is it accessible? Does it have the things that you want and things that you need? Uh, how the neighborhood? What, what's the um is the crime rate high? Is it low? You know, certain things like that you want to do your research on. Um, how far away is it from your work? Like I was mentioning. So um, you, you really need to understand that market. Um, and there are multiple ways to do that. I mean, online is a great way. But I think being in person, uh, visiting in person is probably one of the biggest things. And that's next on this list. But I'll, I'll let you guys comment because... Um, you know, understanding that market is is pretty darn important as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the quick thing I want to say is um, I've realized I moved around a lot since I was 18. So for the last 10 or so years, and there are places that feel more like community and there are places where you feel like you are an individual living in a big city. So I think that and I'd never done the research beforehand to understand this is what I was going into, but I've definitely noticed it from neighborhood to neighborhood um, all around the city. So where I'm currently living, I kind of love it. There's these little newsletters that go out that part of the city feels like a small town, actually. Neighbors actually know each other, things like that. And I have um, yeah. will be paying attention to more of this kind of thing if I were to move again because I particularly love it. Feels Grant? like a borough. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of super important. I'm, I'm lucky enough to live in uh, a neighborhood where a lot of us do kind of know each other and, you know, there are always people to hang out with. Uh, that's that's super important. But again, just emphasizing that for a lot of people, that's not a choice. Mm-hmm. That you just sort of yeah. live wherever you can see the papers. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, And just really quickly, one of the last things I just sort of mentioned a a minute ago is is visiting in person, because how many times do you look online, you read a description, this place sounds perfect, or you look at the pictures or the videos or whatever is posted online, and you're thinking to yourself, this is it. This is awesome. And then you go and check it out. And it's like the complete opposite. I've had this experience so many times where I'm thinking, this is it. Like, oh my God, like you're shaking, you're, you're really happy. And then you get there and either the landlord sort of rubs you the wrong way or something smells or (laughs) it looks completely different than you were expecting. It's a huge turnoff. So visiting in person is is really big. Yeah. That means they took the right pictures, Jeff, and you got Mm. so hooked you were in. Grant, Jeff, thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it bringing us lifestyle today on the program. Thanks, guys. Have a good weekend, guys. Jeff Ryman and Grant Hardy joining us on Fridays for Lifestyle and Wednesday for Health Headlines. Happy house anniversary, Jeff. Coming up next, a built-in macOS tool now scans and removes malware more frequently. John Beeler, he's going to be here. You know it. It's Friday with the details next. My audio is on your TV. Rogers Mountain customers, guys, you can find us on channel 889. 
And Eastlink, you guys can look for us on channel 887. Visit ami.ca slash audio for a list of channel locations in your area. Kelly McDonald with Ramya Muthan. And as always, we're getting into our app update with John Bueller. We're talking a little bit of Apple, but not exactly the stuff that's going on this week. Still, tons to talk about. Let's bring mm-hmm. him on. This is The App Show. Unlocking software secrets for smartphones, tablets, TVs, and more. So I kind of lied because we are going to start with a bit of an iPhone (laughs) update, right, John? Because this one you wanted to squeeze in because it was really fascinating for you. The satellite SOS um, feature on the new iPhones. Yeah, this is a really cool new feature that uh, anytime you're anywhere with your mobile phone and you don't have cell service, don't have Wi-Fi, you don't really have a lot of options. Mm -hmm. And so what they've done is they figured out a way to um, allow you to basically send a text message to, uh, you know, emergency personnel uh, using satellites that are in the sky. Right. So pretty much anywhere in the world that you are, uh, if you don't have any cell service, you can actually use this SOS service. And what I think is really interesting about how they've done this is you don't have a lot of bandwidth, so you're not going to be streaming Netflix or anything like that with this kind of functionality. But they've actually made it really easy for you as a person that may be having an issue, whether it's a flat tire in the middle of nowhere or you're having a fire or there's a crime and you don't mm. have any cell service. They actually have a little wizard that will ask you questions that the first responders would want to ask you so that you don't have to spend that limited bandwidth typing all of that stuff out. Yeah, because there's there was that. Gosh, what's it called? Uh, three words or whatever it's called that helps you know where you are in, in, in that kind of case. But when we talked, and John, we touched on this um, recently about this, and, and you and I talking last week, I think, on what about when we get to that day where we have the satellites giving us cell service, totally different thing. This is kind of like the edge start of that with what abilities we're going to be able to have in years to come and really making this this is emergency use. This is what it is, SOS. Um, but it, it's very fascinating to see the the stability they want it to have, will have it have, no matter where you are, and kind of now as we step onto the edge of full worldwide service in the years to come. Absolutely, yeah. I just think it's really fascinating that they're able to cram you know, something into this phone that mm. allows you to talk to a satellite. Mm. Normally, with a satellite phone, you'd have a giant antenna. Right. And... Your iPhone obviously does not. It's oh, all embedded inside. I didn't even think inside. about that. The hardware yeah, so, itself, yeah. So so the interesting solution they've come up with is they actually have a little, kind of like a radar system that will show you on the display the direction that the satellite is. Because you, you essentially have to have line of sight to the uh-huh. sky. Yep. And like, like the old dishes, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And so you actually point your phone at the sky and it'll tell you, Okay, a little bit more to the left, a little bit more to the right, that type of thing. And because you only have, you, you have to have like a couple seconds of sustained sort of line of sight, if you will. You can't see the satellite, but the phone knows where the satellite is. So mm-hmm. um, it's, a, it's an interesting take on that. And apparently, there's also been some conversations going back to what Kelly and I talked about last week. Starlink, Elon Musk's company, is also in talks with Apple to provide service to Apple users as well. Great. There's, you know, in the 
I just thought of it right at the end of your your spiel about what this is, thinking, hey, I didn't even consider whether or not to ask if this was going to be accessible because I feel like the trust is there that this will be accessible um, and because the whole conversation is accessibility, right? You're in an emergency, you're yeah. unable to get Wi-Fi or cellular service and boom, this thing is available for you. Mm. And, and it's not like you need... Somebody to, because nobody can see that satellite to say, oh, there yes. he's over there. I'll point at, but the only thing I guess that could let the, uh, people in our position down rum is if for some reason that mapping or it doesn't hold your voiceover doesn't mm. respond quick enough to say on hold or yeah. whatever to let us know we're lined up. But hopefully Apple's got us. I think so. I think they will. I think they will. I, I, I'm pretty confident they would. Yeah. They probably have some kind of haptic feedback as well when you're like scanning the skies mm-hmm. for the satellite type of thing as they do with the camera angles exactly. and there would be a delay wouldn't there anyway like for anybody yeah. doing it because you're still talking distance and that manipulation so it, they would have to build that redundancy i guess in there yeah interesting uh sir let's try to check out your second one uh, a built-in mac os tool now scans and removes malware more frequently did you know that your mac has a malware scanner built in uh sort of Oh, I'm so bad at the, it's like I think we're able to understand because of some of the the notifications and communication right. that it gives you. Cuz I assume yeah. most things do. Yeah. Now. But I what feel the, like most of remove? us still go externally, right? We yeah, still I think go so. for go get something else, security. right? Security, yeah. 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 So that, what that a friend tells us is trustworthy. Exactly. <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> don't leave it up to me. So there's a there's a software tool. I mean, it's not really accessible for the end users. It's sort of built into the operating system. It's called XProtect Remediator. And essentially what it does now, anytime your computer is idle, it scans for any kinds of signatures of malware. And it even gets from Apple's servers every two weeks updates on what those signatures could be like. So it's happening all in the background, completely seamless. And it's not like, do you remember back in the old days, your computer, if you had any virus, would slow to a crawl. Yep. yep. The, the whole point of this is they've set it up so that it only activates when you're not using your computer. Uh, okay. And does the work. Yeah. yeah. The scans only take about 20 seconds to do, so it's not like it's doing it um, like constantly. And it's every hour or two during per- periods of low user activity, according to this release that I got. And so that's kind of kind of cool that you know apple's got your back and you didn't have to pay for it um, and this is what's coming up not what's already available right no it's there now oh okay wow as long how as you about, have or newer how about the frequency of up updating two weeks you know i know john anything can happen but is yep. that that good do you feel confident that oh my gosh that's that's a great amount of time to be updating it and checking on it and I think that's sort of like the the scheduled frequency. Yeah. I imagine if it detects some kind of bigger issue, they could push out those updates. Because the thing is, this isn't part of your software update. This right. is just automatically in the background. So yeah. and I think they can update it when they need to. Here's the thing. Um, most of us, let's say we're using Kaspersky or Norton or whatever, all these other ones, right? Um, the, the, part, the part of it that we don't follow up on is how you're supposed to follow up and what you're supposed to do to maintain mm, yes. the health of your computer. And um, a lot of the time, sadly, I would just ignore it and hope that the thing is doing it on its own to keep me protected. Now, is Mac tapping into that perspective and saying, okay, we got you, or do we still have to uh, review? Have some initiative. Yeah, mm. take some I, I, 
Mm-hmm. No, I, I believe in this particular case, it's actually looking for and removing those bit malware Altogether. bits. So we don't have to do much. Nice. Yeah. The other wow. problem with like the third party tools is it depends on the tool that you that you're using. Did you pay for it? And depending on the tier you paid for, sometimes they'll just alert you there's a problem, but they won't actually do anything won't about do anything. it. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Wow. So Yeah, that's I think what traditionally I find that we all know, oh, okay, and then whether you take it to someone or you run scans that you're told will get rid of and, and then to finally told, you've got to take it to somebody who <laughs> can know. reformat your whole machine. But this is kind of like, hey, the old adage, the, the way this is runs, hey, just put gasoline in the car and go, except the car takes care of all of its its other needs this time mm-hmm. versus the old, well, I don't really know what I'm doing. I just fill it up and go. I'm thinking that this is a really great, way to make sure that we're protected but we'll keep yeah. posted as well um to see how they keep tweaking the system the next one and the last one we'll talk about is the next usb standard will double existing speeds even with an older cable yay yeah this is great news uh when the USB C standard was uh uh i guess formalized uh, a little while ago um they actually built into it some uh, um, upgradability. So even if you have an older cable, older being like a new cable right now, right. Uh, right. Yes. The, the next generation <laughs> will still work and work incredibly fast. I guess they basically overspect these cables, and that's why these um, USB-C is sort of the preferred format for almost everything nowadays, except for Apple's iPhones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Thank you. But, but yeah, it's uh, it's really cool that you know you're not going to have to buy new cables f- for a change. Now, to be fair, this standard probably won't be formalized for a little while, maybe even a couple of years. But it just means that you're going to be able to enjoy you know everything your your cables you have now for for probably quite a while to come. So USB C, do you think that it's going to be here for a while too, or do you think by the time this is standardized, we'll have a whole another set of what is better, faster? Even in regards to doubling our USB-C standards, I, I think this will the form factor will stay the same, so right. okay. the same cable, uh, and and because I mean not all cables are created equally. If you buy these cables at the gas station, it's not probably going to be right. as good as getting it from a major prov- uh, manufacturer. Um, but the 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 whole idea of the specification is that for it to function at a bare minimum, it has to have a certain amount of of specs built in and those specs were much higher than advertised it sounds like yeah and so. and, and you want well, i mean we've heard of what the fire department say about your bot at the gas station kind of cords and everything yeah. there's been such a push there as well as europe and and everywhere saying we want standard cables come on stop getting every time you get something now there's just more for the landfill yeah except for the iphone the iphone except will the always iPhone. be its own thing yeah. So we have no clue where that's going to go. I was actually surprised that the iPhone 14 didn't start that trend because everything else Apple makes is USB-C now. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know either. But anyways, I'm I'm still looking for faster charging. Like right now, the fast charging is actually mind-blowing. It's so good. <laughs> but still, I'm, I'm thinking it And there's get so much technology in our world right now that they know, especially with electric cars, every, if you're going to be able to charge a car faster, you better be able to do your phone. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't even have to think about it. Your phone no. should just all be charged. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We're so ahead. I'll just set it down here on the <laughs> counter. It's charged. Everywhere exactly. in your place should be able to charge. 
like like the uh, the uh, what do you call it when um, the charging mats? Yep. Is that what they're called? Yeah. Is there much of that? And I don't mean the where you like they used to have those ones, John, where you'd put two or three devices on them that they claimed and you could charge it. It literally was that charging mat. I don't hear as much about those anymore. More, it's individual now. Yeah, those charging mats were a great idea, but I think the practicality of it and right. the fire hazard that they bring oh, with them. There we go. Because that's the problem, and this is a problem that electric vehicles have. It's anything that's charging. The problem is high voltage and fire concerns and you have to have very high quality wiring and and various bits and pieces uh, of that process and any one of those things that isn't up to up to snuff is going to be the 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 cause of the issue and how how is the industry like proof guarding against so much because now especially as well as i said the fire departments are really screaming about this how are we getting away with buying these cheap or our cords that are under spec that's a great question. I think the 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 reality is is they're just being imported and mm-hmm. uh, from countries that don't have as rigorous of certification process. And people are looking to uh, offer these cords at regular cord prices, but they didn't pay that price for them. So um, so there's a profit taking that's happening there as well. So that, you know anytime money's involved, people yeah. will cut corners. It's kind of mm. like the, the the same argument for. Um, I want to say parodies, but you know, like not real, unofficial AirPods, knockoffs. There. <laughs> That's what we'd say, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oops. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, they're so easy Crap. to find, and there's so much of it out there. But you yeah. know, it's not the standard. But that's the irony about the whole thing about reducing the landfill is the landfill is being filled with garbage cables instead. Yeah, that's right. Exactly, garbage AirPods, garbage AirPod cases. Awesome, John. Thank you so much. Thank you. John Bueller joins us on Fridays for our app update. So he'll be back next week, probably talking more Apple. Man, we're happy if a cord lasts, what, seven months? Oh, God, I got another one into yeah, the garbage. Yeah, under a year. Ooh. Coming up next, folks, two women from Windsor, Ontario, use their downtime to write a book. Karen McGee, she'll tell us why they decided to share their story in two minutes here on Kelly and Company. Thanks for being with us, ladies and gentlemen. Always appreciate your time wherever you're listening in. Maybe you're listening in right at AMI.ca where you can listen to the live stream of AMI-audio. Maybe you're listening to us through TuneIn Radio or OOTunes, awesome apps in which to download to your smart device. Check out the show, but wherever you are listening to our 2 p.m. Eastern Live, 10 p.m. First Repeat Eastern, and 6 a.m. in the Morning Repeat, we thank you. We appreciate your time. Kelly McDonald with Ramya Muthan and... On Wednesdays and on Fridays, we get a chance for our uh, regional content reports. Uh, these come into us, and uh, today we're joined by Karen McGee, AMI Content Development Specialist in Eastern Ontario. But apparently, the rumor has it, she's actually in Toronto. I, I have to believe you got the heck out of Dodge already. Is, is that right? I, no, I'm I'm in here for an event tonight, so I'm up the road here in Markham at a, at a hotel yet to be disclosed. Um, um. Okay. So, all right. So, 
were you at main campus today? Over no, there. I did not Mm-mm. make it by. I was going to try to stop by because Rami had asked specifically for me to come by. I said, pretty please. Yeah. She, she said, please. She's too popular. And did she no, say, no, no. Tra- traffic was a little, um, there's a lot of construction on the 401. And 401. I, what is that again? I, the 401. <laughs> I was going to say the 4-nothing one. We're, we're blind um, hosts. We, we don't drive. What is I that? know, and, and I'm trying to think of, so you get in a vehicle, and you sit, and you don't move very much. Right, and it's a parking you know, lot. Oh, Rum, it's a par- 401 parking is a parking lot. lot. It's a parking lot. Cool, in okay. Some, in some spots of the 401, it was a, the traffic was a little thick. <laughs> We're mean. That's awesome. And it took We're, longer uh, to get here. Well, I, I was to go just, back tomorrow morning. I was just hoping, hopefully your event, by the way, goes really well tonight, but I was just figuring, oh, if she's around Toronto, and not knowing when I saw this, she's around, what, what is she going to be in the studio? Oh, I offered. Anyway. I offered. Mm-hmm. Ramya, did I not offer? She did. She and did you tell her no? No, oh, I just told I her it would be nice to. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said. I thought you said that. No. Uh, if I see you, I see you. I don't want to make her go out of her way. <laughs> what a nice Aww. thing to I say. Well, well if I see you, I see you. I guess. <laughs> if I must. I, I'm not sure how I feel right now. I'd be. <laughs> I'd be. You think about it for the rest of the segment and tell us. The, in the, the more. <laughs> the moral of the story is, you don't know when I'm getting into studio, so. Imagine moral of the story is don't, don't tell you where I am. That's the moral of the story. It's yeah. a secret, top secret location. Okay. Unknown. Uh, North Bay, Ontario-born Rob Shaw is off to play in the U.S. Open wheelchair division. So tell us a little bit about how he qualified, please. So the, the U.S. Open is one of those things where you can get invited to in a wild card spot. And at the right. time of the at entry deadline of the tournament, he was ranked eighth in the world tennis in the quad division in wheelchair tennis. But that doesn't guarantee an invite to the Open. So generally, mm. like, you invite the first seven, and there's, like, a couple wild card. In the past, um, he told the – Rob told the North Bay Nugget that uh, he was pretty grateful for this invitation because he was given the wild card this year. In the past, he has not been given the wild card, even though he was ranked number eight. They've given it to an American. So they might give it to the ninth or tenth ranked just to get another American in on in then on the tournament. So this year they chose him. Um he at the start of the tournament, his ranking had actually raised to seventh because you know tennis is weird and they keep ranking it depending on how they were doing. Um, to his knowledge, Rob is the first Canadian wheelchair tennis player in any division to qualify and participate at a Grand Slam event, nice. um, as we know them today. I know, isn't that cool? Isn't North it? Bay. Wow. Um, and he was the Parapan American Games champion in the quad singles at the 2019 Parapan American Games in Lima, Peru. So he's got a good tennis resume. Um, and, you know, the U.S. Open, that's a pretty big deal. I mean, I think yeah. most of us were paying attention last week to uh, Serena and, and her go and mm-hmm. um, some of the male temper tantrums that have been happening on the court. I don't know if you guys saw any of those. I can't remember who did that. But it was quite entertaining to watch grown men throw their rackets down and then find another racket to and throw it down. Back to the old roll days. Oh, my God. Weren't those great? Oh. I love a good yelling match. Oh, yeah. That's such a refined sport, too. Anyway. Yeah, I think anyway, it so it's very nowhere. exciting. It's very exciting that he got to go uh, got to go experience it. This actually the happening this week in um, in New York City. Awesome. Uh, also, I'll note North Bay Nugget, one of my favorite name papers. I just think that's the coolest name for I a paper. I love that paper. I get their stuff all the time. They have the greatest articles. Like that's a, that's a good newspaper that tells you what's going on in the community. It cares about the people, and you're right, it's got a great name. Yeah, it certainly does. So overall, would we say he's done pretty good? Well, he had his first match on Wednesday against mm-hmm. number one ranked Nels Vink of the Netherlands, and he actually lost 6-2 and 6-0. Um, if you're 
If you're interested, coverage of the U.S. Open wheelchair division can be seen on usopen.com. They've got highlights on there and stuff. So he lost, you know, he's he's done because like you're done after you lose out. Um, one and done. But I mean, it's an experience, right? The clay to- the the clay courts. That's hard to say fast. Oh yeah. Um, the clay courts. Um, it, it, I believe it's the Arthur Ashe Stadium. It's called now. Um, yeah. it, I don't know. If, so I don't know if you understand how huge this facility is. They have got. Three large stadiums, like like think like like football size stadiums. They look like whenever they do an overhead shot, and they've got all these other little courts, little smaller courts things. around like, it. It's huge. It's a ridiculous I had no number idea of how courts. Big. Oh yeah, it's a and ridiculous it's used, number. Like, like the big thing, one big event. I'm sure they have other stuff going on. They're like one big event. Yeah. Uh, I remember when they had the discussion just before we leave you on this one, there was uh, they were going to cancel this division um, last year, or the year before due to the pandemic. And there was such outcry to not do it because this was an opportunity for so many people like Rob to get in there and, you know, compete. And, and I remember they said, OK, OK. And uh, that was quite the hype a year ago about this. So really wonderful applause to, and fedoras off to, to him. It's just amazing to hear these stories. Mm-hmm. I'm not wearing a fedora, but I'm softly golf clapping or tennis clapping. Either, I guess but, it would uh, be. I'm not nice. either, but I have a good imagination. I'm nice. pretending I'm you know, <laughs> doffing it. He's wearing a spiritualist fedora. Yeah, the, the headset's getting away. So, Karen, we're always talking about how people are doing amazing things and uh, what were we doing when they were doing these amazing things. And two women from Windsor, Windsor Ontario, used their quote COVID nineteen downtime to write a book. Now, I don't know if this was a, a real quote, but you know, it's, they, that, that's, yeah, yeah, that's from the, that's, that's from the article. That's okay. from the CBC article. They wow. use their downtime. Yeah. I, um, I watched Netflix. That's <laughs> it. I did it. My day. Some Read people, you books. know, wrote books. Some people yeah. wrote books, yeah, exactly. you know, to each their own. I always feel, when I hear these stories, I was like, I wasted two and a wow. half years that I could have been doing like, amazing things. I know. I mean, isn't that cool? Yeah. So, so I mean, it's no, it's no secret to us that there's a lot of lack of children's books that talk about disability. Mm-hmm. So Anne-Marie DePape and Christine Quagla took the time to write it during COVID, and it was actually published this year. Christine uses a, uses a wheelchair, and she told the CBC that when she used to read books, like, hey, like, Rami, you and I are big readers. We talked about this. Do you put yourself in the story when you read books? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, me too. So when Christine was reading books as a kid, she would put herself in them, but there was never anybody who represented her. There was never anybody using a wheelchair who had a disability. Um, and I mean, don't we all, I mean, even as adults, I'm reading, um, I'm reading where the crawdad sings right now. Oh, so good. I know. I'm so behind the library. I just got it from the library. Anyway, sorry, Mm sidetrack. Um, but it's important to see yourself in books. So the story follows shadow. Um, shadow is a dog and his owner and very own superhero, Charlotte. So their adventure takes them to places like to mail a letter across a busy street, water flowers at Nana's house to the library. And while they're at the library, Charlotte meets a curious boy named Nathan who wonders why he can't bring his dog into the library. And that's when Shadow learns about his power and how he helps Charlotte. Shadow also learns to appreciate his name as he goes wherever Charlotte goes. Mm. And on Amazon, you can read like the first couple pages of the book. It is so sweet. Can't is it? I a think novella? I need to get the, or it, like how it's long a paperback it? book. It's oh, a paperback so like nice. kids book. Oh, here, yeah. oh, hold on. I had, I had the page open a second ago. How many pages is it? Because you know how you and you can get little samples. Mm-hmm. I was like reading the little samples. It's um, it doesn't tell me how many. Oh, twenty-seven oh, pages. Twenty-seven. Pages. It's like a little kid. It's a little kid book. Um, 
I'm looking here. Uh, I can't see the ages of the book on here, but I would say it's probably like grade one or two. Like it's mm-hmm. it's paragraphs. It's not like it's it's a good little it's a good little book. You know what I love about it? First of all, you mentioned already how awesome it is to have children's books with representation because it starts young, right? But the reason why it's so good, and we keep pushing this point about we have to talk about these things, these serious subjects, but in such fun ways um, for kids. Like start when your kids because you know how many people had this experience like i will get on toronto transit and some kid is asking his mom or his dad or whoever he's with you know why this lady's carrying a white cane or why this person is sitting in that chair or uh, why this person needs a, an arm or you know all kinds of stuff kids are curious and they will ask so Put the stuff out there in books, in your posts, in whatever content creation, curation, and and tell them. Answer these questions for them. It's so important, Karen. It's funny you mention that because I was reading some of the reviews on Amazon and they talk about this book opened up a conversation with my, with my child and myself about disability. See? Exactly. It, 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 it's, it's, this book is not just for children with disabilities. This book is for children. Exactly. It's, it's everybody. Everybody's um, asking. And, you know, when I, uh, we would, as people with disabilities, seek out the characters, if the characters are there, seek them out, right? And obviously, a lot of us didn't have that representation, but now we do. So that's another thumbs up. But really for the children um, who are wondering or who have no clue yeah you're opening up the conversation to them so as you said uh amazon is there is that where we go to get the book that's where you go to get the book it's under 12 dollars right now Aww. and i'm just gonna say it's got a five star rating there yeah. are nothing there's nothing below a five star rating there's no fours there's no three there's no two well, no one it's it's a five star rating from us too we haven't even read the book yet i i have read the first couple pages i really like it I like books, so we've talked about this. I know, exactly. And and children's books especially, um, I feel like they give you so much good perspective when written well. So shout out to the authors for doing this over COVID-19 and saying, hey, this is super important. Let's <laughs> Putting the rest way. of us to shame. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> right. Thanks. Thanks. Sometime you and I can talk about the worst book I ever read. I just realized that. This is not it, but oh. somehow. Because I have a very hard time finding books I don't like. Oh, okay. I was going to say, how did you get to that point? <laughs> I was... I, you know, you know what it is? My boss keeps tinging me because she knows I'm talking on the air right now. Mm-hmm. And she keeps sending me messages trying to distract me. And it's almost working. <laughs> and I'm going to yell at her. Actually, she's not my boss anymore. I'm going to yell at her whenever we're done. No. I don't know if you guys can hear. Okay. Um, I don't know. Can you guys hear the um, no. the, the messages coming? Okay. Because I'm never sure if you can hear that. And I'm like, is oh, that, stop. Is that a prediction? Yeah. She's not stop my boss tinging. anymore. She's no, I, I, don't, I don't report. I don't. No, no, I don't report to her anymore. Well, Karen, the good thing is we're done now, else. so you can go straight to yelling at her. I'm typing away. Well, yelling, typing. Here I go. Okay, awesome. go enjoy another book. Just don't make it a bad one. Our content development specialists join us Wednesdays and Fridays here on Kelly and Company. In the next hour of the program, Natalie Natus is sharing her journey of becoming an audiobook narrator. Ryan Huey, he'll share more on the Chatty Bookshelf. Let's get the conversation recaps and comment on segments from the past week. We have cut for time for you. But up next, Margaret Weldon is here to bring us the Friday Buzz. When you tune into the show in the middle of an interview. Number nine is don't believe everything you read on the internet, (laughs) which is where I got this from. You're listening to Kelly and Company on AMI-audio.
Well, we've got the gateway to the weekend halfway open, ladies and gentlemen. Appreciate you being with us here on Kelly and Company, right here on AMI-audio. Ramya Muth and Kelly McDonald, we are the hosts, and uh, thank you for settling back and enjoying the program. We'll tell you a little later on how you can reach out to ami Send us a message, maybe ask questions that you might have via email. Stick around, I'll get into that shortly. But right now, Rum filling in for Bill Shackleton, who's away this week. We do the buzz Wednesdays through Fridays. And you can always check out the best of the buzz through AMI Exclusives. Uh, its own podcast, we're curtailed together. Some of the greatest uh, article discussions that we have with Bill uh, of the month. So check that out through AMI Exclusives. Settling in to fill in for him this week, Margaret Weldon. Hello, Margaret. Welcome back. Well, thank you very much. Where do you and want how's to start the Friday's today? going? Yeah, well, good. good for us. You? Yes. Uh, pretty good. Can't complain. Okay, so actually, we're, we're going to start out by doing something, uh, actually talking about Elton John for a moment, or Sir, now, or Sir Elton John, I guess he uh, is technically called. Um, he has given two performances in Toronto, one last night, one the night before. We'll start with last night's briefly, uh, and this was, he talked about the queen on stage, and he talked about his relationship with her. Yeah. And at the end of his quote, he said something like the fact, she's done a lot of work, I'm glad she's at peace, I'm glad she's at rest, she's worked hard. Very nice. And uh, yeah, and, and, and a lot of people just went dead silent in the room. I uh, got to hear the quote and got to hear the actual scene a couple of times from the Rogers Centre. Well, Sir um, Elton would, I, of course, with that relationship, and I mean, that's got to be so special. We've heard people like Brian Mulrooney, our former prime minister, speak of uh, just the casual dinners and how down to earth the Queen was, how welcoming of everybody, how... When she stopped to talk to people, and, and um, uh, John Davidson, uh, father of uh, Jesse, of Jesse's journey, um, he was sent out a, a message online yesterday and mentioning, of course, the Queen and got into a conversation, uh, well, online, but one of the things that he mentioned was when him and his son met the Queen in, I believe it was 1997, she was here in London, and she engaged you. When she spoke to you, she was speaking to you. She ha- asked about how you were doing, and there was the sincerity, not just the mechanical ask. And that was one of the things that he said they took away from that moment with her. That that time that she came up to talk to you, she was talking to you. Yeah, a lot of people have been saying that on TV interviews and things too. Um, it, you know, which is which is nice yeah. it's good isn't which, it makes you feel real special and i don't think yeah. we can even fully grasp how much of a difficult trait that can be to uh you know fully hold right to value something like and that and be sincere with it and be sincere with it exactly because she was seeing how many thousands of people yep. Yeah. All the time. And this is back in the, in the 50s and 60s and 70s, not even now when you can kind of, you know, understand the breadth of uh, the people you're affecting because of social and, and how the world feels so small because of it. Right. But this is when she would walk into places or, um, you know, walk down uh, to an entrance of something and just, just you'd left and right thousands of people gathered to see her. So someone who was dealing with it that way 
And then to be able to have a conversation, hold a conversation with one person and be sincere. Yeah. That's huge. Right. And make you feel special. Like yeah. she had that moment yeah. for you. And, and goodness me, somebody could come up and, you know, you know, you you know, and, but no, she's busy with you. Mm-hmm. Right. So just before I get on to the article I was going to start with today, um, I just wanted to let people know that I am going to do a special in the know segment about her on Wednesday, um, because there's lots of fun facts before she was a queen and also some interesting things about the upcoming procedures where the service is concerned and things like that. Good. Things I awesome. didn't know. So you I think fact uh, check people the queen. might be fascinated. Yes. Yeah. For us. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about Sir Elton John's first concert, which happened on Wednesday night. And specifically, one of the concert goers who went to a concert of his in on October the 29th, 1971, and got the boot. Oh. Oh, wow. For, here in Toronto. Well, there in Toronto. In, I can't in, it was actually in Auckland, New Zealand. Okay. But she still right. got the boot. Okay. Wow. Right? She, she got the boot from the concert. Literally, she got a boot from the concert. Oh, okay. Oh. oh, all right. Now, are you going to ask me what kind of boot? Sure. What kind of boot? A 1971 special? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's about it. Well, we'll tell you the story behind the boot. So Elton John performed the song called Rocket Men. Mm-hmm. And when he was finished the song, he took off his boots, which he termed as Rocket Man Boots, and apparently this is supposed to be uh, one of his trade styles as a musician. Right. The colors are gold and red, and they're called Mr. Freedom Boots, actually, and they're made of leather. He tossed them into the audience, and this lady got one. Wow. Nice. And this would be a regular thing he would do, obviously, every show. It didn't say whether it was or not. Um, this lady was just quite it. fascinated yeah. with it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and she said, and, and she's the only reason she and her boyfriend at the time got to go was because she was working for a radio station, and the promoter gave her two tickets for the second row for seats in the second row. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, so I don't know how actually, much of that throwing stuff they can do now. I mean, back then, so many of the artists threw things and lots of stuff. You probably be like, no, no, here, take this back. Don't touch it. You know, that kind of thing as they're performing and whatever, who wants that? But, you know, things like boots and stuff, you wonder, oh my goodness, what if someone's busy, just has someone say something to them and they get a boot to the head? Yeah, that's right. I kind of wonder too, yeah. Wow. Um, but the thing that's so special about this is this lady moved to Toronto 46 years ago. And along with her collection, this was one of her, uh, the record collection. This was one of her items that she was bringing with her, the record collection and the boot. Mm. I mean, that I would keep amazing. the boot forever. And she you went to the she's concert. she's selling Wednesday. the boot now? Back to him. Back to him? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine how Wednesday's go, oh, I thought you might want it. Now give her a different boot. No. Get out of here. No, but I mean, imagine, because now that he's technically done... We'll see. But he's done. Um, wouldn't this boot go for a lot? Online. Yeah, ton. Megs, would you buy something like that if you had the dough? No, I think we lost Mike's for a moment. See if we can get her back yeah. here. Would you, would you ever I, I would buy, not buy it? Is there anything but I'm kind of, from... I'm wondering if you would sell it. Like if this was the moment you had. Yeah, would right? you do that? Would I, you I do can't it? imagine. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. That's way too memorable. Not. But, yeah. but, okay, to extend it. Unless if you're you, in trouble. Yeah. If you were you gone might. and your family had to deal with the boot, would they sell it? Mm, Ooh. You know what they might convince themselves? 
Yeah. Well, we're not going to take care of it as much as somebody who's really a fan and, and to, really a collector. I better let yeah. somebody else who has, you know, and the it's you technically know. not theirs. I mean, this happens a lot, right? With yep. celebrities, they pass and then uh, all their stuff goes on auction. Well, wouldn't you feel guilty if somebody left you something that they had got from a celebrity and you knew really, I don't know how to take not care if of I this was boot. I don't have enough, you know, a, a humidor for it or what? You'd sell it. Yeah, I'd sell it. You'd sell it and convince yourself. Elton you know, John's boot, I'd sell it. But my I'm mother, talking as a, not a person okay. who cares about the boot. Right. Margaret, yeah. we're talking about whether you'd sell the boot or not if you were in this person's position. Actually, the person did get an offer from Bata Shoes. They, they I'm sure. Him. Yep. Okay. Yep. And she said, no, she doesn't want to part with uh, it. It's, but, too, it's, wow. it's just too valuable to her. She just, I wonder it's just she, too special. I wonder if she would... Consider putting that, you know, in her will to go to the Batashu Museum, you know, when she passes on or something. Because I know that would they would appreciate it so much and that would be so cool. But we, we figure that, too. We would not give it away. However, if, if something happened to us, would a family member sell it? And I said, well, I have family members that probably would say, well, you know, what? I don't have a humidor to keep it safe. If and I, I better sell it to someone who knows what they're I'd doing. <laughs> Rumya would sell it if it was her mother's. And, you know, dear, oh, mom. I'm going to sell it to somebody who'll take care of it. Um, Mags, anywhere else you want to go with that, or do you want to zip on to the next? No, we can we can zip on to uh, one quick one here. Uh, it's actually a sports article, okay. but I promise you, Ramya, it's it's kind of a funny one. Okay. So, McCain Food Corporation makes offer to a NFL team. Hmm. Um, so they're actually offering the uh, Washington, and I'm sorry, I just forgot the name of the team for a minute. Uh, team. Uh, free French fries for life if they would consider trading their player Bobby McCain to the Indianapolis Colts. Wow. And the reason being is, the, and, and, here, and here's why. The reason would being if, if, if they agreed to do that, there's a Wesley French and um, a William Fries. So if, <laughs> if they got the guy, they have McCain French fries. <laughs> that is awesome. Washington is Commanders. Really yeah, commanders, Washington yep. Commanders. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, as opposed to their that their new name, as opposed to the Washington Football Team, how to make them yeah. sound like a soccer sorry. team? Sorry, it was my it was my it was my bad. I'm sorry. I I, I lost my place for a minute. <laughs> I don't mind admitting Can't that. Be a but... Soccer team, then it'd be called soccer. In yeah, America. Well, it'd have the yeah soccer club, <laughs> right? And here's uh, one more quick one, just because it's Friday. Unless you want to add something, Kelly. Okay, go nope. go go. Go ahead. Uh, okay. So, how about a robot cat for a pet? Would you guys like that? No. Yeah. Well, apparently there is a somebody has come up with an idea, um, and it, it, the robot cat is called Lisa. And the idea is oh. it's part of a state, stay, sorry, it's part of a state project in South Carolina um, to help seniors who feel isolated. Oh, so right. they give them one of these robot cats, and they're called Lisa. Now the advantage to these cats is you don't have to change litter boxes or you don't have to buy food. Two, three disadvantages are, number one, if you wanted to purchase one on Amazon, you'd, it'd be about $200 US. Not bad. Two, Still, right. you would have, yeah, two, you'd have to change the batteries or plug her in to charge her up. <laughs> and three, I've, and I've had three or four different people look at this. They tell me visually wise, it's a, it's a creepy looking creature. Okay, see, okay, so if it doesn't even look appealing, why would you actually consider this? 
It's not a real cat. Well, and the other thing, if you have to Just buy the batteries, which are allegedly rechargeable batteries, it must eat them alive. Those I batteries, like you but you can be... put your eight, but you can put your Google Home or your eight person in them, and you can soup them up. Okay, this is not a cat. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> Thanks, Max. Appreciate you filling right. in too for Bill while he's away. Mar- Bill will be back next week. Margaret will as well uh, when she returns to the program. We'll be back with the Chatty Bookshelf momentarily. When you want to reach out to the program, easy. 1-866-509-4545. Give that number a call. Mention it's for Kelly and Company. Give us permission to use your message on the air. Otherwise, we won't, folks. 1-866-509-4545 is that number. If you want to send an email, maybe you've got some questions about AMI-TV, AMI-Tele, or AMI-Audio. That's feedback at AMI.ca. Feedback at AMI.ca. And on Twitter... The handle for AMI-audio. Maybe you got to check on the new schedule, the programs. We've been hearing a lot of new promos and stuff on the network. Check it out on Twitter. Handle at AMI-audio, at AMI-audio on Twitter. Kelly McDonald with uh, my co-host, and she's actually at the studio's main campus there in Toronto, Ramya Muthan. So I think it's anticipation to the weekend, or maybe just, you know, we're reading good audiobooks, or maybe it's anticipation to this segment we always get in our audiobook chats on Fridays. Let's bring on Ryan Huey. Who knew an entire library could fit inside your pocket? My name is Ryan Huey, this is the Chatty Bookshelf, and we talk all things audiobooks. Right, Karen McGee was on earlier, and we we're talking about um, books during that conversation. And she said she was reading the um, what was she reading, Kels? Oh, uh, wasn't she reading where the, the crawdads, crawdads sing. sing? Yeah, I don't know why because because that mind. just came out too on Netflix. the movie. No, the movie's out, right? Yeah, Netflix on some actual the movie's movie. Out, and we read it here, but I wanted to check. Right, have you read that book yet? Hey guys, thanks for having me. No, I haven't read it, but Karen is talking books. I'm going to have to send her a stern email. Steal my thunder <laughs> on the weekend too. The whole show, oh Ryan, it's goodness. crep up. I'm sorry. We, today, we've done it all yeah, through the show. We're all guilty. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. The more people that get into audiobooks and they get Sturdy. into books, the better for sure. Well, we got excited over your topic today, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I it did is. too. Yeah. I did too. You know, it, it's really great to see, you know, it's September, the kids are back in school, there's lots of audiobooks being released. Mm. And you know what, there's a lot of new featured stories coming out over social media, over websites, over the online magazines type stuff. And this one really caught my eye because you don't really see too much of this. You see more of the focus on the book, the author, but the focus kind of shifted to the the narrator a little bit. Mm-hmm. And this was this was really cool. Yeah, let's talk about it because um, I think it's a fun one. I've seen it pop up all over as well. So tell us what's going on. This is great. So she's one of my favorites, I have to admit. So as soon as I saw the name, I I knew. But uh, a 35-year-old mom who kind of started from nothing, um, you know, having a modest job with a modest salary is now making over 
six figures a year uh, narrating audiobooks. And it's sort of a rags to riches. Not saying she was poor, but sort of a how do I go from here to here? And boom, uh, she's one of the most famous narrators uh, worldwide now. So it's really, really cool. And I, I think I, I can't tell the whole story because the article is quite long and I've read it a few times already. But I think we can touch on some major points of it and kind of let others know if, hey, if this is something you're into, like it is a possibility. You can do it, right? It just might take you a little longer than her or vice versa, mm. right? Yeah, for sure, sure. Uh, Ryan, one of the things that I find interesting and we hear people talking about it now, there's much more record, of course, being kept by the individuals and by where you actually now start to hear how many darn books these folks have voiced. And I think it's so much easier to do, right? I mean, back sure. in the day when it was cassettes and stuff, I mean, are you going to have all... And thousand. volunteers. Yeah. Right, yes. Yeah, Is, yeah right. Is it, you're going to have all thousand cassettes along your wall and takes up, you know, 10,000 right. bookcases <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. You know, it's 45 cassettes for the Stephen King It novel. And, uh, oh, it's, my. Yeah. But where, you know, now it's uh, everything's digital, right? You can just have them right there. You can have a list on Excel or whatever. And it's, it's you know, a, a two kilobyte document kind of thing. So it's really cool, really great to see, a lot easier to track. And uh, that's what our girl Natalie Nottis is doing. Um, she's the one that we're we're focusing on. She's a 35-year-old mother of two. And she started out as sort of the music coordinator at her church, right? And, nice. you know, kind of in, in, we'll call it the industry, right, of, of making things and, and making digital media and stuff like that. But then um, she kind of just, was like, well, how, you know, what, what else can I do? What, what, you know, student debt's piling up. We have two children. What, what, what can I do to kind of ease that stress? And you know what? She, she got into the audiobook world. And now after just maybe, I believe it said four and a half years, um, oh. which is a long time, right? But after four and a half years, when you think about it, that's, that's a lot of raises over that time. And she's booming. She's fully booked. She's overbooked. Um, people wait for her to put out their audiobooks uh, because she's yeah, just that no. good now. Yeah. How it's really, many really books cool. has she read in four and a half years? Do we know? So just, yes. So just, it didn't give an exact number, but in the article it said just under 400. So that's oh How quite a bit, How the heck would you get that? Like, that's like reading in four years. You're looking at, like, nine, twelve, you're, you're literally looking at four or five days at, at most per book. So well, each week she's rolling out a book. Exactly. And you think about it in terms of if it's an eight-hour audiobook start to finish, uh, finished product, it usually takes double that time yeah. to work out all the kinks, right? So you're looking at, you know, a 16 hours of work. Um, and, you know, a lot, of, a lot of narrators do it in their home studio. And that's sort of how she started out, right? I really like this part of the story because one of the questions was, how did you get into this? And she said, yeah. during my commute, I just listened to audiobooks nonstop. And then I started Googling one day. Uh, went down the rabbit hole and never came out and she bought a few hundred dollars worth of equipment opened up her first i guess if you want to call it studio recording studio oh, in yeah. her hallway closet and she said um, bad location kids running back and forth you know husband vacuuming that sort of thing so she had to sort of figure out how to do it but now she's she's got her own room in the house uh it's it's kind of the big thing right uh and she's doing really really awesome with it so that's really cool how she kind of got into it and i really enjoy that part of it because it wasn't like hey i'm famous already i'm just gonna you know lend my voice to this it's sort of you're a nobody and now you're you're yep. narrating you know some of the the best books for some of the best authors and publishing companies um all over the place and she started it if you'll if you do the math at around 30 
right? Around 30, somewhere around 30 yes. years old. She decided to Google this thing. She'd already, like, you know, been working and doing all this stuff. And now, boom, like, this is her career. And she's killing it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it it only took that curiosity, right? Like, going from listening to audiobooks to maybe I can, like, what does it take to do this? And then starting in your home, committing to it that way, and pushing hard. Like, that's just amazing well and now it, it I feel makes like there's you think a... about that ryan in the sense of where's this window you know we we know of a lot of narrators that have been around a while some even okay i'm getting out of it i'm retiring out of it maybe they were older when they began because there's been this time where audiobooks have become a market of their own like i said before no longer the volunteers now this is a business mm-hmm. billions of dollars we're paying people some of these people are getting right in on a ground floor but we've had so many of the veterans that have been there and we're not making six figures even in their 12th 15th 20th year and that's what's interesting right there's always the two sides of it there's her side and then there's someone else's side everybody is sort of different but the thing i like that she said in the article was you know at first she had to find the people that would let her narrate the books, but now they're looking for her. For her. Um, exactly. It's just that you gotta you gotta find that one or two you know people in the right publishing company to to make that in, and then you're you're golden. And the way she did that was um, there's a company and uh, it's online. It's sort of an app and a website, and it's called ACX. Just the letters A, a letter C, letter X. And they give out a lot of free promo codes for those of you audiobook lovers out there. Um, they're called ACX Promos through Audible, audible.ca, audible.com, that sort of thing. Um, I, I hit them up quite often. And she would you you would, you put a sample in as a, as a narrator and people listen to it and they're like, yep, I want to choose you. I think you're great yeah. for this book. Or they pass on you and, and you go down the right. line so you can put in as many as you want. Um, and she really did that for a long, long time, you know, getting hits here and there. And then all of a sudden people started listening to her samples because it gives the authors, the publishers that, that the, you know, they can just randomly search, right. For whoever they want. Oh, I need a female around this age, um, with, with, with this accent and they can kind of search out and, and she was getting all the jobs, uh, almost to the point where she had to turn some down, even though she said she didn't want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Timing There's only probably. so much time in a day. Yeah. yeah. And the timing of when their deadlines are. Ryan, what about, and I know you'll get into this here. We're going to c- cover off a little bit about how the pandemic affected her, but in the item, did she mention about how much we're sitting here calculating? Oh, that's one book a week of reading, reading, but we're forgetting who's doing the editing. So, yeah, she actually would do a little bit of the editing herself, um, just the, the the drinking, the the swallows, that sort of thing, coughing. There's all those little noises that she noticed. But then she actually had to send it off to an editor and and they sort of did the same thing. They, they went through it, listened to it umpteenth number of times and and sort of got got down to the nitty gritty and and made it sound as as great as as they possibly could right um she even said there was one joke where um she lived near an airport and you could actually hear one of the planes in the background (laughs) and she had to kind of record that whole segment over i thought that was really funny things you just never think of right you think you've covered off all your bases and oh i finally did this on the sixth take and 747 flies by and it's like well (laughs) take seven and i'd imagine even Things you don't even know, especially if you're wearing headsets, you're doing your work or whatever. I, you know, I don't know what equipment people choose to read with on their head. Do they care? Do they look at the, the line on their screen to make sure their level's fine? But even something dropping somewhere else or, uh, you know, somebody outside, you know, that somehow coughs or sneezes mm-hmm. loud that you don't hear originally till you're reading back. What is that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
or the dreaded Amazon delivery, you know, knock yeah. at the door, Instacart. Yeah. Something like that. Exactly. Yeah. Really, really funny. No, that's uh, and you know what? Yeah. Just speaking back to, to you, Kelly, what, uh, how the pandemic, you think this might've hurt things, but she really took that time to kind of make her brand and sort of flourish it. Right. She kind of took to social media and put out clips and said, Hey, I'm going to be reading this book or, Hey, I've, I've already released this book and here, here's a small sample. And she's really good at it. If you follow her on Twitter, I highly recommend it. Cause she's always posting stuff. She's following a bunch of narrators, a bunch of authors. She's a really good follow. And uh, she's con- continually posting about, Hey, I got a secret and I can't tell you, but the book might be about this sort of thing. And it's really vague, but piques your interest. Uh, she kind of got in there, built her brand, and now she has um, tens of thousands of followers on both Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And uh, she's actually re- really, really good at that part. And I know that takes a special person, but she put in the hard work, right, to to kind of get her name out there. And she wasn't just sitting around waiting for the people to kind of come in and, and find her. She was looking out, going out, and being creative to find them. And I think mm-hmm. that's where she she really got behind herself and really got that confidence too because she's a really great uh, narrator. She gives back to the community. Audiobook people, if you even tweet at her, she will respond. Uh, she's responded to me several times, just, uh, hey, a thank you or, or even something like that, right? And I don't know if it's her. Maybe she has a press people, but I don't but I don't still. know that, but, right? Yeah, same yep. sort of thing. It's, it's that, um, just the act of, of, of getting back, right, and actually answering. Well, it's clear to us that she's, she takes this very seriously. She takes these gigs very seriously. She puts in the work um, on the marketing level as well as obviously the effort of how much she's doing and how big she's gotten. Like, that is kudos to her. And the confidence, like you're saying. Um, Also, she seems really open to talk about the money side of things, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, from barely making anything to making a lot and understanding that this is super helpful to her as well, the financial side. I think she's positioned well, right? It, like, why not let people know what's out there? Because a lot of time people, yeah. oh man, I don't want to cut the market down. Because it's her actual journey. When you're struggling. Yeah, Somebody this is something, hey guys, if I can do this. And and we see this with the broadcast field, Ryan. Th- this is so many of the same ways people take the route to get their voice out there, hope for that whatever kind of gig, or at least the work doing commercials until some big company says, geez, we love your voice. We're willing to pay you this now to be our sole voice. And and here we're looking at what these what these people are doing, what she's able to accomplish, and wow, so what a, what a resume! No, absolutely, and she's getting the notoriety too because she's uh, I don't know that she's won one, but she's been the finalist of a few different categories uh, for the Audis. I know she does a lot of young adult stuff. Doesn't matter if it's romance, um, science fiction, that sort of thing, but a lot of the young adult stuff and uh, a lot of the romance stuff. And there's actually some science fiction stuff that she's putting out now. So I'm kind of excited to kind of <laughs> branch out and to see uh, where she goes with that. And uh, her accents and voices are top notch. Uh, absolutely a treat to listen to. Mm. Well, there's always an angle with audiobooks here on this segment and in general when you're looking out. Um, honestly, you know, you just have to Google audiobook news and you'll find some angle where you're, you're talking about a partnership or a collaboration or, um, as I'm loving, these love for the narrators and the the audies, right? Like the uh, when Audible created the audies, um, I thought that that was fantastic with the narrator hall of fame and all of these different things that are going on. Super cool because we love the voices and might as well keep track and share that love, right? And we have to thank the people who came before Ryan to make this business now mm. golden. Absolutely. We love those audiobooks. Keep pumping them out, everybody that's listening, and keep enjoying them because it's... Uh a really great media source out there 100 percent, ryan thank you so much we'll talk to you next week have a great weekend guys ryan Huey on the chatty bookshelf to talk all things audiobooks
In just a moment, folks, let's revisit and weigh in on conversations from the past week on our Cut for Time segment. But we're going to start with a visitor who's going to share some feelings and, and real experience when it comes to being a person from Britain and talking about the Queen. talk about so much excitement as we get chatting about books on the program and so many great things here on Kelly and Company. We know you can't catch it all, folks, so please subscribe to the Kelly and Company podcast where you can listen to the show in segment form or you can listen to the complete Kelly and Company podcast experience in segment form. You can share the segments. You may just have a contributor that you enjoy coming out. Search them out during uh, while you're looking along the podcast feed and enjoy just checking their segment out. We appreciate any time you have for the show. Always recommend, though, listen to the complete Kelly and Company podcast experience, where you can even enjoy the audio vanity card on the end. Ramya Muthan, she's in Toronto. I'm Kelly McDonald at the Home Studio in London, Ontario. Rum, we started yesterday's show, uh, and and we've had a couple of moments today where we've spoke about the Queen passing mm-hmm. and um, just so many things we've heard and people have talked about um, so far, and we know that the, the, the next nine, ten days. There's going to be so much of that as as every step moving forward uh, is dealt with, um, funeral and everything like that included, uh, as Charles uh, uh, now um, takes position as uh, a king. But kind of like to get a little more feedback as we yesterday did on the program with some guests on the show. We have another one, Julie Martin, our community reporter out in Pictou County, Nova Scotia. Julie, you have such firsthand kind of life overseas in the U.K., that you can kind of help us get a little perspective of some of the things we're seeing and hearing from people over there as so many went to pay their respects at Buckingham Palace. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, and thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, you're right. You know, it's. I think no matter which side of the fence you sit on when it comes to the monarchy, whether we should still have one or not, um, like everybody's saying, she was just... She was something else, that woman. And um, I remember growing up, I mean, it didn't really, it was the Queen, you know, you sat down and you listened to the Queen's speech. But my generation, our parents went through the Second World War and, you know, she worked right alongside as a volunteer and and what have you. Um, so there was much admiration, you know, in everybody's home and, and you felt it, you heard it. And I remember it was 1974. Um, my brother um, was going to Buckingham Palace to um, receive a commendation for bravery from Her Majesty the Queen. And have you guys ever seen that show? Keeping Up Appearances with Mrs. Bouquet, the British comedy show. Mm, Heard of it, never watched it. No? Okay. Well, that was my mum. For the listeners that have watched it, (laughs) that was my mum. I mean, you should have. It was crazy. It was just crazy. And everybody in the house felt it. And, and, you know, I mean, she was picking out her outfit and she was going to see the Queen. and, And, you know, everybody in the street, knew about it, you know, and it, it, she just kept talking on about it all the time. 
And even as, you know, myself and my younger sister, I mean, I was 11, I, uh, no, a little older. Anyway, um, you know, we were with her practicing how to curtsy. And I mean, she never actually got to meet her or speak to her, but she was at Buckingham <laughs> Palace. Wow. And then when she came home, um, she immediately went to the bathroom and changed the way the toilet paper hung because in Buckingham <laughs> Palace, it hangs from the front, and she always <laughs> hangs it from the back. And from that day onward, and every time, I, honestly, every time I change the toilet roll, I think about that. <laughs> now we will too. Washroom, and it's the other way. I think, oh, I've got to change it. It's not like that at the palace. I this mean, is the way they do it at the palace. Come on. This is the way they do it at the palace. Keeping yeah. up. Yeah. And, and then I remember... Um, when it was her silver jubilee, I think that was 77, right? Mm. I mean, that was talk about a street party. And I was 16 at the time. So you can imagine a 16-year-old, all this partying going on. And I mean, it was just, it's infectious. The wow. love for the queen and the admiration when you're actually in that moment is infectious. And it, I just... I never met her personally, um, obviously, and never spoke to her. But listening to all these stories of Canadians and British people that did and their fond memories of that moment, I mean, mm. it's just, it paints a whole other picture of her. And it's just lovely that we're getting all this information. It just brightens up such a sad moment in history for everybody. Wow. I... I feel like we really need to let that hang for a bit because it's so true, Julie. So many of us haven't met her and we don't know her personally, nor do we know a lot about her. I'm putting myself in that category. Um, And yet, you know, it's nice to have more than just the crown, (laughs) the TV show, (laughs) as an example of the queen. Hearing stories, hearing memories, hearing people's even just their reactions to how much it's hitting them that she's gone and how long she's been around. Like so many of us don't know a time when she wasn't around. And that's huge. I think the the figures are nine out of 10 Canadians and people in England have never known another monarch other than the queen. That's amazing. Wow. Wow. I saw a repeat of a, a thing that she said today where she she thanked volunteers for their service. Like she always included, she appreciated what every single British subject or Canadian citizen or whatever did. No matter what it was, it was still service to her in her eyes. Mm. And that appreciation was shown and I think that. Um, I don't know if I, I, I don't know how much time I've got left, but have you guys seen the Paddington Bear I, I saw a little bit about that, yes, yeah. and that was recent too, right? It was. It was for her seventieth um, yeah. jubilee yeah. this year, and she at the at the very end of the commercial, the Queen, because they have her standing, you know, look alike. The Queen, when the very last words that are spoken, it's actually the Queen. Oh yeah, saying it. Yes. Yeah. And Paddington Bear is thanking her for her serving. Oh. And then she thanks him for what he said. You've got to watch it. It's lovely. 
and Paddington Bear tweeted out very nice about respect for the Queen yesterday. So it was absolutely tremendous. Julie, thank you for coming on the program and sharing a little bit. We love these stories. I really appreciate it. Stay safe, guys. Okay, Julie. Julie Martin, our community reporter. You can hear her once a month talking to us about things going on in Pictou County, Nova Scotia, dropping in a bit uh, at the top of our Cut for Time segment today. Again, thank Julie as uh, we get that time to really hear some wonderful thoughts and feelings and stories um, about the Queen. On our Tuesday show, we spoke with our resident woodworker, Mr. Jeff Thompson, about a great online working group for woodworkers who are blind. Now, here he's explaining some of the things that go on in this group. There's over 10,000 different topics on there. They've been going since, I believe, 2008. And it started out with uh, Larry recording. He cited. Now, he was recording articles so the blind could read the magazines, the right. fine woodworking magazines and all that stuff. And he was making them available. So it started like that. And then people started writing articles and stuff, and you can find those on that website. But the big thing is the listserv, and you literally have people climbing out of the woodwork to answer these <laughs> questions. <clears throat> and it's just like like anybody that's working on something, you come to that that, you know, that YouTube moment or ask a smart device or something. Well, we got this listserv that we just say like, hey, woodworker. We don't actually say that, but we get on the listserv, ask our question, and three or four threads later, you know, they're they're bouncing it around and you come up with some solutions to try. It's just a helpful place to go when you can't find too many other blind woodworkers around. So listservs, I, I kind of find people have a love or hate thing for them. And what Jeff was saying made this one sound so special. So sometimes you find traffic gets ridiculous on them or people, you have to explain to people, this is what this list serves for. It's not just to, to joke around or, or whatever. Uh, and, 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 and kibitz. It, it, some are, of course. Um, but mostly people don't want that overflow of emails coming in. But this one, what I really like about ones like this is there, you could have a hundred people, Ramya, on this listserv and likely, Contributing to it, maybe 10 or 12 people a couple of times a year. Mm. But the things, as, as he mentioned, you know, on the website, you have the articles and things like that that people have written. But you may have that question that goes out on the listserv and somebody answers. Or the people you never even know are on a listserv because they're the listener. They may listen to what people have written or read it. Um, and, and, oh, yeah. Oh, I'll have to try that. That's great. They may be new to it. The stuff that you teach them, you'll never know that someone says, oh, I'll take that away and I'll try that out. They have success with it, or maybe for them it doesn't work. But the fact is they're so appreciative that the resource is there, and they have so much to do with you know trying things out, learning about a new craft and hobby. That dent that you allow them to put into the hobby, because you may have just said, well, here, try this to somebody else or, hey, guys, I've discovered when doing this, I use X. And that person reading that on that listserv says, wow, that really, that's a great idea. I never thought I'm going to run and try it. So they go try it. They start putting it into play. The difference that this kind of thing makes, you don't necessarily feel you have to go back. Hey, uh, Kelly, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. That was a great hunk of advice. Because this is what the folks do. This is part of being 
in the fraternity. And I always find that when you when you look at groups, when you look at, uh, and when I say a group, I mean it very loosely because you're not necessarily a bonded group together that gets out, does stuff, consults with each other intentionally. You are someone who has been privy to something that you can use that is available to you and the person offering it up doesn't even know. They're just sharing so it makes it easier for someone else that may be in their shoes and keeps that person from maybe being discouraged and leaving it. So I really enjoyed Jeff bringing this information to us and getting a chance to think about it in this capacity because so many things are so daunting to where you stop and say, well, who do I ask if I have questions? I don't know. I don't, I've got to find someone. And m- many of us pick up uh, hobbies because of that. And other than otherwise, we, we just wouldn't. Or we could easily be discouraged because there isn't a wonderful resource like this, Rum. Yeah, Kels. It's very, very thoughtful what you're saying. And I totally agree. For a long period of time, we've talked about and noticed um, how much technology is changing our lives and how communicative we are now and how connected everybody is to each other. Because back in the day, you know, you couldn't find another blind person doing woodworking. You couldn't even imagine yourself in this position because there's nobody representing you, right? Going back to our conversation with Karen. But now we've almost gone completely the other side where there's so much out there. I type into Google, you know, some particular question about voiceover and a glitch that I'm experiencing. And there's potentially hundreds of blind people who've experienced the same thing yeah. uh, around the world. And they're telling me, hey, have you tried this? Have you tried that? Have you looked into this or that? When I was learning Pro Tools, how to edit audio using Pro Tools right. and using voiceover, I every day was appreciating the amount of resource that I was finding, the amount yeah. of commentary, the threads on Reddit, the a community, particularly for blind people, yep. using voiceover and everybody saying, hey guys, put it in the chat. And and I never commented back on any of that. On a good day, I would press like, you know, on a comment yeah, that, yeah. that was helpful. But, but that I, community built the use for the blind of Pro Tools. Literally. And that community built my confidence of understanding that there are other blind people doing audio editing and that when I had a problem, I can go to a group of people who won't even, I don't even get, need to get on a phone call with, but could offer their support and answers and techniques to get through this huge challenge for me. But very seldom did I ever feedback back to them. And so what you're saying is rings very true. Mm. It's amazing the amount of help and support people are offering nowadays and just taking it upon themselves to volunteer their time and effort and share what they're going through. And it makes a huge impact on so many of us. And just because we're, you know, out there lurking um, and not necessarily following you back or commenting back or liking uh, and showing you that thumbs up, this was super helpful, it doesn't mean that it isn't helpful. So I really do appreciate that you've taken the time to you know to comment on this and to say that yeah we are out there and it is super helpful for so many of us uh podcast is another weird thing but anyway really quickly we may not have time to really comment on this but switching to wednesday's show we chatted with mary mamaliti about some accessibility accessible cooking techniques and here she is providing tips for using the stove placing pot a pot on the stove top 
So you want to do this with the heat off. And I know, mm-hmm. I mean, you guys are going to laugh, but definitely heat off because you're going to use your hand to feel along the stove to touch those, the grates of the stove to find the center of that burner. And then you're going to place the pot right on top, right at the center where the flame will be. And then that's where you can, then you can turn the flame on, the mm-hmm. element on. Mm-hmm. But always do it with a cold surface at the beginning or even with the glass top. Use your hand as a thermometer, not to place it on top, no. right. but you hover, hover. over top yeah. mm-hmm. and you'll to feel that, that spot, heat. Right, yeah. and go for the middle of it. Yeah. I think we don't talk about this enough. We might still feel a little like it's too ironic to talk about it, you know, using our hands uh, as blind or low vision people on a stove and think, okay, I'm not going to advertise this. I can't promote something like that. That is unsafe. But really... You know, Mary said it all the way, and I totally agree, and I'm just putting it out there that I use my hands a lot in the kitchen, whether it be with knives or with peeling or uh, on the stove, hot surfaces, oven, temperature checking, boiling water, whatever it is. I That's the way that I've learned, and that's what actually made me more confident to deal with food, deal with hot surfaces, deal with... um, cooking on with oil, all kinds of things. And it might seem counterintuitive. It, I'm sure it does for sighted people. <laughs> but it really is, you got to go with what works for you. And if that means you need to use your hands because that's what makes you feel like you can get in the kitchen, then that's what it is. You got to start there. And it might mean starting with just not even worrying about heat, just cold services for now, just picking up a knife at all. But someday down the line that will help you get further with your cooking and feel more confident um and down the line you don't have to worry as much about the heat because you've already picked up techniques for yourself you betcha and you wonder how many professions how many things people do that if we watched and observed the person doing it would we be saying wow aren't you risking your ears playing around with a setting that high hey aren't you a little worried about that electricity that's a lot of voltage going through there and you're just Mm -hmm. doing but it's what people learn and the basic knowledge that you have from life experience and, and your education that's cut for time folks we do this every friday just kind of fit some time to talk a little bit about things we wish we could have expanded a bit more on uh during the previous week we'll be back to wrap up the show in a moment Welcome back to the program, folks. Appreciate you being with us as we wrap up another weekend. Swing that gateway to the weekend open for you. We'll be back, of course, here on Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern. A little bit of business first. We just would like to mention a segment or two, conversation or three, (laughs) that we enjoyed today on the program. I got to go back to the narrator chat with Ryan Huey. Mm. I really love knowing that behind-the-scenes stuff of how people work, and I think that's one of those things we've always been so curious. And, Rum, we're people in the broadcast industry. We know about having to people who work through Voices.com and stuff like that, people who are station ID voices, recording from their own home setup. But we understand those steps. What are the steps being a narrator for an audiobook? Love to always learn about it. Yeah, and it's a grind. She hustled her way into it. Uh, I mean, 400 books in just under four years is astonishing to me. Like, it still is. That's how out of touch I am with how people get here. But um, it's amazing because now she's putting people on the waiting list to get her as a narrator. 
Yeah, I, I think that's so flattering. Um, any other segment mm-hmm. yourself in the program? John Beeler gave us a lot of things to think about, including the satellite SOS feature mm. that's on the new iOS 14. Um, yeah, it's just fantastic. You know, technology keeps moving forward. And as we keep saying, hey, you know, when are we going to get this? I feel like more and more <laughs> answers come about. So it's- I think things move along so so fast now and one thing leads to another as we always say in the disability community you know something that helps us out really helps everybody or helps somebody else and that's kind of what what we get a lot with uh technology uh we've talked a lot about audiobooks rum do you want to tease what's coming up on uh, this weekend's uh, audiobook review show Yes. Okay, so we have a fresh episode on Saturday. Of course, AMI Audiobook Review airs Saturdays, Sundays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-audio as the the, original airing. But anyway, this Saturday is a new episode. We are talking to Sarah Hillis on Know Your Narrator. This is a monthly segment, Kels, and we are featuring these awesome narrators and getting to know the voices behind our audiobooks. Sarah is highlighting Scott Brick, one of ah, hers, yes. and another um, contributor favorite audiobook narrator. And he started his voice career in 1999 and is now Audible's most prolific narrator. So we're going to get to know how he got it all started. So, yeah, that's on AMI Audiobook Review, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. And you can also uh, download the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Shall I also tell you about The Guardian Long Read? Yeah, this looks good. Exactly. So a little bit of context on The Guardian Long Read. It's um, a selection of The Guardian's long reads. It features some of the finest journalism The Guardian has to offer, including in-depth writing from around the world on immigration, crime, business, the arts, and much more. So the readings are professionally read and produced by The Guardian. And tomorrow and Sunday, they're doing a day in the life of almost every vending machine in the world. What's behind the indestructible appeal of the robotic snack? That's amazing. Sounds like great stories. Check out The Guardian uh, here on the weekends. 10 a.m., right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, of course, repeat it eight hours later. Folks, uh, we'll be back on Monday. On the program, iOS 16 is out on Monday. And Michael Babcock will be highlighting features to keep in mind. Andy Frank, he's the manager here at AMI-audio, and he's here with a rundown on brand new AMI-audio content and releases of video podcasts. Speaking of, Brock Richardson of the Neutral Zone video podcast brings us our weekly sports update. Also, Kim Kilpatrick, our community reporter in Ottawa, will be highlighting upcoming municipal election accessible uh, options, that is, for your voting. Devin Wilkins has our monthly guide dog and service animal report. And on Know Your Rights, Danielle McLaughlin takes us back to school, actually. She shares strange school rules that really do exist. A big thanks to Grant Hardy, reporter, for joining us on the program. Producers Jeff Ryman, Ramya Muthan, Marianne Dion Jones. Our senior show producer, Matt Agnew. Manager live production, Paula Deneen. And manager, as mentioned, of AMI-audio, Andy Frank. Have a great weekend, folks. Get out of here, will ya? One of the things I've heard a lot about right now is the fact that so many people are shocked at how they feel with the Queen passing. I'm not suggesting for a moment these people shouldn't be shocked, shouldn't be saddened. Of course, but... A lot of it comes down to the expectation that so many people had when her husband passed. You know, you you think of they were so close.
you know, you know that they, she's had health problems, but I think the impact, and I think it's a beautiful thing because this is a lady who deserved the impact, especially as we've heard a lot of conversations of this, does Canada want to stay under the monarchy? Those kinds of things. I think for us to stop and say, wow, what a real special lady in London here. She was in the city four times. That's a lot. I know coming to the country. Oh yeah. Okay. Sure. She visited Canada more than any other country, but my city four times. And at one point, my father worked for a hospital here in town and he was out with some of the patients on a visit and she was getting a tour stopped and talked to the boys with him. And you know, the respect my father had for her, the time she took, that always stuck with me. And that's the stories we keep hearing. So I'm really happy that it's touched me and that others feel the same way. Because boy, Fedora's off to what a great lady. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.